From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. The IFN Law Awards 2021 results were recently announced, recognizing law firms with the strongest Islamic finance capabilities within the past year. In this podcast episode, we speak to the winner of the banking and finance category, Allen and Overy. Allen and Overy is a leading banking law firm in the GCC that was involved in a number of landmark deals and transactions within the region. This includes a $400 million syndicated Islamic financing facility for Egyptian company Evergrow for specialized fertilizers, and the transaction was one of the largest of its kind in Egypt. The law firm was also involved in the Saudi electricity company's 9 billion Saudi rial syndicated Murabaha financing facility. Coming up is an interview with one of the partners of Allen and Overy. To find out more about the IFN Law Awards 2021, log on to islamicfinancenews.com. Welcome to IFN Podcast. My name is Nasreen, news editor at Islamic Finance News, and I'm your host today. In this episode, we are joined by Samer Ido, the partner at global law firm Allen Overy, with a focus on banking and finance in the Middle East. Thank you for being here with us today, Samer. Thank you, Nisreen. Thank you for having me. So Allen and Overy this past year has um, advised on some pretty landmark Islamic finance deals, including some of the largest deals in Saudi Arabia and in, in the Middle East region during the pandemic. Could you share with us some highlights or some insights from your end on these Islamic finance deals that uh, your firm has been involved in? Yes. Uh, Thank you, Nisreen. Um, This this past year uh, has been a very, very busy year for us. And uh, as you said, we've been involved on a number of uh, landmark transactions. And uh, the execution of, of some of those was in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of, uh, of the, 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 at the height of the pandemic during the lockdown. So uh, there, there was all sorts of challenges around uh, ex- executing uh, such large deals, right. uh, including simple, the simple and basic logistics, which also, uh, uh, you know, was not always that, uh, that easy to handle, putting aside having to handle uh, a large number of uh, lenders on, on, uh, on one of the transactions I have in mind, which was really uh, one of uh, one of the main uh, challenges we have uh, faced uh, in executing. Putting that aside, though, uh, I think we can uh, say that uh, the, during this past year we were uh, extremely busy uh, on a number of fronts. So, if you look at the geographic uh, coverage, uh, uh, we have done deals in the UAE in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, in Jordan, and that is across a number of uh, industries. So we have in the power, so we've done deals in the power uh, sector, in uh, the pharmaceutical sector, in the pet cams and fertilizers sector, uh, and also in telecommunication sector. So it really tells you uh, a lot about, you know, the, the coverage and the depth of of our Islamic finance practice. Right. And and how prevalent would you say is Islamic finance as an option for these corporates or or really governments in the region, particularly, as you mentioned, in the GCC and in Egypt? 
Have you observed any trends when it comes to this? Is it easy for them to go the Sharia compliant route? I'm, I think we can say, say it, for, for the GCC in gen, general terms, I think it is certainly the case uh, in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE, in, uh, in, and, and a number of other uh, GCC jurisdictions, we do not see, um, you know, it, 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 the, the, the Islamic finance option or f- financing structures are options that come to, 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 to mind uh, a b- borrower level, whether this is a government or government-related entity or a simple corporate. They, they do, they are, uh, uh, they, these are options that are in their minds and they ta- which they tap into on a, regular basis it is not it's not always a a, a if you like a, a, a faith based preference it is you can see that a lot of the a lot of institutions corporates and otherwise uh, that are not particularly wedded to Islamic finance, do not have Sharia compliance requirements right. that tap into this market because it is an it is big pool of liquidity they can tap into, and that's at, 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 at often a very competitive prices, and, and that's something they obviously want to do. Mm. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have encountered some corporates that have never gone for mm. Islamic financing. When these kinds of corporates go for Islamic finance options, what happens? How do they end up, you know, going for it? it it's 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 a it's a very good question. See, I mean, we we have I we have had a number of examples in the in the in the recent and very recent past where we've seen borrowers who are absolutely uh, not really, you know, have never done any Islamic finance. They even come from jurisdictions where. Um, uh, Islamic finance is not is not really common practice, mm. uh, and we see we've seen them basically seeking to raise uh, financing uh, financings from Islamic financial institutions, and um, it's always a learning curve for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's there is a lot a number of uh, challenges if you like that faces institutions like this when they are approaching Islamic finance for the first time. They, you know, certain concepts, concepts, sorry, need need to be explained. Certain, certain, uh, and those concepts, we need to ex- explain those concepts and put them in the, in certain context to to give them to, to to for people just to understand where where all of that is coming from. Explaining a murabaha and explaining why we basically structure a Sharia compliant loan in the form of a murabaha and how that murabaha works and what are the risks that entail murabaha structures and how you actually mitigate uh, those risks and, and how it is common practice to accept that uh, the, the, you know certain very residual risks around uh, 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 surrounding this sort of structures this all really is uh, uh, just an example of the, the questions that we hear from uh, uh, newcomers to the islamic uh, finance uh, industry right. and that's that's you know not but 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 i but i think this is a good thing right Mm-hmm. Um, you, the more people get familiar with these uh, 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 transactions with Islamic finance, the, the, the more it will be uh, become accessible and more and more people will use it. All right, absolutely. And w- when it comes to syndicated financing, I'm, 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 if you could help me understand it, mm-hmm. is it common for syndicated financing to have Islamic tranches and conventional tranches? Or is it usually, in the Middle East at least, 
is it usually like fully Islamic and fully conventional or how does it work? So it's very common uh, to see that, let's uh, uh, say the same sort of financing, uh, including an Islamic a tranche and a, a Sharia compliant tranche. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something we see more and more. And that's also due to the fact that, you know, there's a big pocket of liquidity in, uh, in Islamic, um, with Islamic financial institutions that people would like to tap into and they don't want to basically have to choose. Right. Um, and 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 uh, this is where we see very basically that we have uh, dual tranches um, that's, that can be uh, simple syndicated unsecured financing, uh, in which case you probably see a murabaha and a term loan, or uh, if it's basically uh, asset-based, so we probably will see, like, say, for example, if you have uh, some project financing or real estate finance, you probably see Jara's uh, uh, and and a term loan. Uh, so it really depends. But nevertheless, the, the the concept of having dual tranches is 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 becoming uh, quite common in the market. Excellent. Obviously, obviously, in 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 the in the Middle East generally. Right. Right. Okay, well, a final question. Uh, what other markets do you think are of interest in terms of Islamic finance, I mean, outside of the Middle East? And are there trends that you can foresee in the near future? Um, I think the, the, the Islamic uh, finance uh, market uh, has no doubt expanded quite considerably over the past years it is evolving in its if you like in it is sort of natural environment and it's um, and, and that's that's in itself an achievement because as we all know not all not all muslim countries had wide adoptions of islamic finance but this right. is becoming more and more the case we can see that there is bigger acceptance and adoption of islamic finance in uh, say for example in north africa it hasn't been historically the case mm -hmm. in the levant same story uh, we're seeing better penetration in Islamic finance, and I think this trend is going to continue. Uh, mm -hmm. And and this this um, and this uh, would probably be be more the case if Islamic finance becomes more accessible. And I think yeah. it is. Um, that we've we've seen a big evolution over time in uh, in Islamic finance, and I think uh, you know like. Um, with the recent changes and the new, new recent standards and the regulatory changes, or if you like updates as regard to the acceptable structures like the like 359 standard, etc. Mm -hmm. These, these hopefully these things when they settle in and people um, get familiar, more familiar with the, the new standards, uh, we will uh, see that uh, the momentum that we've had over the past years in Islamic finance will will resume uh, because right. I know there's no doubt that in the past this past year we've also seen you know with the new standards being introduced and the new regulatory requirements being imposed uh, so there's been a little bit of hesitation in terms of adopting what we, people you know, banks and, and and financial institutions generally we've seen that they have there's been a moment of hesitation if you like and as to how to basically reflect those new structures and how uh, 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 how to um, make sure that uh, they be, people are basically doing doing the right thing, and obviously right. you might have some divergence as regard to 
you know what people the, the way some some people will interpret the rule is slightly different than others so once once we get to a sort of common understanding and common accept, acceptance of those new standards we probably will see that uh, this momentum will resume uh, let's hope <laughs> <laughs> absolutely all right well uh, that's our time thank you again for joining us in today's episode samer thank you very much nisreen for having me Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.